happy anniversary. Actually, 20 years ago on the first Sunday of April in the year 2000, Solid Word had its first service. We have seen the faithfulness of God and His strong hand in and through this ministry. And it's not in and through this ministry like it's some sort of abstract. It's because it is in and through the people that make up this local fellowship. So happy anniversary. Yeah, <clears throat> we had some things planned and, and, and we can prayerfully still do them in the second half of the year as the Lord, by His grace, continues to move us through and out of this COVID-19. But in spite of this COVID-19 crisis that we have or event, we can still say happy anniversary because God is still holding us. And even though we celebrate in our different homes and locations and places, we are excited that God is still holding us. 20 years of God's faithfulness, 20 years of us allowing Him to use us so that we reach our world for Christ. And I would say, according to the Lord's mercy and grace and His will, 20 more years of fruitful and faithful ministry. And so with that, celebrate at home. <clears throat> Call other people that are a part of this fellowship and just rejoice, although remotely, rejoice together and to enjoy what God has done, who He is, and who He continues to be in us. Happy anniversary, Solid Word. On this Palm Sunday, um, we want to continue to worship the Lord, knowing that on that particular Sunday in real time, as it went about, that how people were celebrating, and we know this is also the beginning of what is called Passion Week or Holy Week. And that we know that by the end of this week, <clears throat> that Jesus would have, or by, by next Sunday this time, Jesus would have died, I mean, would have bled, died, been buried, and would have been risen for our salvation. But on this day, it was a celebration of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And although they thought it would be one thing, Jesus knew it would be for him to die because that was what had to happen for you and I to be able to get close to God. And so this morning we want to look at, through Scripture, the kind of king that came in. And I would ask you a question this morning before we read and we get into God's Word after we pray, is what kind of king or what king are you worshiping? What king are you worshiping? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that, again, we get to dive into your word, Father, because that is what <clears throat> brings us, oh God, knowledge of who you are, Lord. It is in your word that there is life as we, as we obey it, Lord, and as we allow you by your Holy Spirit, Lord, just to quicken us and, 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 to, <clears throat> and to change us as we walk in obedience to your word. Thank you for your word, Lord, but I thank you for Christ who made us coming to your word possible. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for what he had done. Thank you for that fateful day when he entered Jerusalem, knowing that it would end in his death. Father, we worship you. We thank you. And I pray that you would give us wisdom, insight, and understanding. Father, as we study your word, in Christ's name, amen. And so today, I want you to turn to Matthew 21. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. We're also going to look at 
just a little bit, John chapter 12, verses 14 through 19, but spend most of the time in Matthew 21. As we know, all four Gospels record what is called the triumphal entry. And so um, we want to be able to take a look <clears throat> at this one account, understanding that we can pull things from all four um, recordings of this, of this wonderful, of this blessed event. And so if you would turn with me there and read along with me, you'll even have it up on the screen for you. <clears throat> Starting at verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. <clears throat> Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the, on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd and the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And if we go to verse 14, this is now, we know in verse 12, he enters the temple. And in verse 14, we pick it up and it says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. <clears throat> but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. Amen. What king are you worshiping? And we see here that as Jesus is <clears throat> coming now to the end of his earthly ministry, he is coming to Jerusalem to now, and he understands as he's coming to Jerusalem, he will come to eventually die. It would lead to his crucifixion, to his trial, to his unjust trial, to his crucifixion, to his death, and ultimately to his glorious resurrection. And what the scriptures talk about, especially in the book of John, where he talks about Jesus being glorified. And when John refers to him being glorified, he is referring to that event where he is crucified, where he dies and is vindicated by his resurrection from the dead. And that, 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 that series of events, that is his vindication, that is his glorification. And so we see here that as we are setting up for this entrance, that indeed Jesus knows full well what he is doing. And they said that they, as they leave Jericho that they were going to go up 
to Jerusalem because we know Jerusalem was some 3,500 feet up above sea level, and so they would have to go through the Mount of Olives Pass, and so they would go up to the Mount of Olives, and then as they came down the Mount of Olives, and they would come into Jerusalem. And it's interesting because Jericho was also known as the city of palms, and thus it would make sense that when they started cutting off those branches as they came out of that, that indeed some of them would be palm branches that they cut and that they'd lay down. And thus today it is called Palm Sunday because of the branches that were cut and were placed on the ground as Jesus was entering into the city. Today we're going to look at three things that I want you to consider and I want you to think about and I want you to allow God to minister to you through. First thing is the celebration of the king, that this is indeed a celebration, that indeed the people are rightly celebrating the entry of a king, and it was very appropriate and very proper back in that time for kings to enter the city to an uproar of, 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 of praise by the crowd as his authority <clears throat> was being demonstrated and his authority was also being praised. And so it was very appropriate. And so Jesus, as he entered and was entering on the donkey, as we'll see in a moment, knew what he was doing, that he was entering Jerusalem as king, but not the kind of king that they were thinking or supposing. And for some, it was the king that they were rejecting, that they were, they were not trying to have. So we'll look at the celebration of the king. Next thing that we'll look at will be the incomplete or the man-made king. The incomplete or the man-made king and the one that sometimes we, we, we fall into where we don't completely say or go the full way of who Jesus is or we make up a Jesus for ourselves and worship that Jesus. And then the last thing we're going to look at today is the king of the scriptures. So we'll have the celebration of the king, the incomplete or man-made king, and then lastly, the king of the scriptures, the actual king that the scriptures have, I mean, has predicted that he would be and that Jesus is coming as that king and what that means for me and you. And so let's start off with the celebration of the king. We see here that Jesus set up, and, and most of us know this story, Jesus sets up here how this is going to play out. And so he knows that as he's getting close, he has the people, <clears throat> two of his disciples, to go and to, and, to, and to get what he has already sovereignly prepared. And we know that he sent two disciples ahead and he gave them instructions. And he says, when you get into the city, as soon as you get into the city, you're going to see these two donkeys. You're going to see the mama donkey, and donkey and, and, and his offspring and a, and a young colt who had never been ridden. And that I want you to untie them. And he says, in case really when someone says something, you are to respond, the Lord has need of them. And I've preached about this before and just the, the wonderful obedience of these disciples. <clears throat> Remember, they were setting up for the celebration of the king. And so they, and like, like any of us would have probably thought, okay, okay, we're going to get here. And Jesus says, go into the city and get these two donkeys. And, and, and you're going to say, do these donkeys belong to you? He doesn't, no one asked that question. 
Obviously, I mean, ultimately, yes, they do, because everything belongs to God. <clears throat> but in this particular case, um, these donkeys belong to someone else and probably a communal donkey because we see in the scriptures that it says the donkey's owners and it was definitely known in some of the poor communities for several people to go in on owning a donkey because it was too expensive for one person to purchase or own and and so that would be how they would handle their fields and they would and they would do the work that they needed to do that they would have this donkey that several families would share. <clears throat> and that's why we get, it actually says that its owners um, were, were asking that question. So they get into the city because they obeyed the word of Jesus. They were used to doing that. And they get in and they see the donkey and they start to untie it. <clears throat> and of course, someone asked, why are you untying that donkey? Boy, that would be my question. It's like someone getting in your car. You, you know, you got your car parked there and you left it open. I'm not sure why you do that, but you left your car open and the person gets in and starts to start it up, and, 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 and you go, yo, where are you taking my truck, man? And you say, the Lord has need of it, you know, and um, hopefully that is actually the case if that happens today. But back then, they understood, and they let it go. They let the animals go. And so then they bring them to them, and of course they throw their coats, and their cloaks rather, on top of the donkey, and he gets on the colt. It looks like he gets on them, like Jesus is straddling both of these animals, but it's not. The them is referring to, and most likely is referring to all the garments that were put on. And so as he is riding down, if, by the way, just a side note, if you check the other accounts in the other Gospels, you only hear one mention, and that's the one that Jesus got on. I have a question for you, because you'll say that's a discrepancy. I would say, no, it isn't. That if you have two, and I only talk about one, does that make one disappear? No, it only means that I'm only dealing with one of the two that are there. And so in this particular case, there are two, but that other one has probably never been written, which it says never been written, and was a young animal that the mother would be the one to keep it from going awry and getting wild and allowing itself to be ridden. And so that's the thought there with that. And so they get on, and they start to ride down. <clears throat> and as they do, the people are getting excited. And as he is entering into the city, they have cut branches and they are and, and waving and they throw them down and they're waving and, and, and they begin to rejoice and to sing. It is this celebration. But I want you to see the picture here that doesn't quite fit the picture that we have of a true king. It was known for kings at that time to ride in, but they usually rode in on a horse, a symbol of power and strength. And it was usually one of the best horses because the king would acquire one of the best, <clears throat> excuse me, of the horses. But Jesus chose not only to ride a donkey, but a small one that one person had suggested, as actually, as I was reading this book by um, uh, Dr. Keller, it actually says that Jesus rode on an animal fit for a child or a hobbit. In other words, this was a small animal. And it was, it was the complete opposite of this war horse that would have helped him to fight and win those battles in victory. And he comes back into the city as this triumphant king. 
filled with majesty and power. Not only that, the robes would have been regal, and Jesus is coming in on no regal road. He is coming in in his rabbi cloak and clothes, nothing fancy at all, is what he had worn when he was leaving Jericho, and he was coming in. And so you see the differences, although Jesus is accepting that he is riding in as their king that is coming in, he is not coming in as the world calls kings to come in. Because his kingdom, and as we've seen in Matthew, as we studied that in the past, his kingdom would be different. The values of that kingdom would be different. The things that were, <clears throat> that were put up, the things that were highlighted, the things that were worshipped and praised in his kingdom were not the things that our earthly kingdoms tend to worship. And so the king of this new kingdom is coming in in a different way. He still has the authority. And remember, this is the Jesus had, who had been doing all these miracles. He had, been, he, um, he had been healing people and he'd been setting people free. And now he's been, he's been demonstrating his power over nature, over the spirit world, over people. And just by his words, things were changing and happening or by one touch. Things were drastically different. What we see here is this same king who is powerful and glorious riding in humbly because he knew no one else would be able to embrace and grasp that. He knew that this king, in order for his kingdom <clears throat> to come into what it was intended to be, is that the king in this case would have to die. And for us, yeah, there have been times that kings have given themselves in battle, but none of them can be said to have said, I was born for the sole purpose of dying so that all of those who would become a part of my kingdom could be rescued, saved, brought in, and be under my reign. And so the celebration of this king was a different kind of celebration. Not only that, the people that were with him, usually when the king came into town, <clears throat> when the king came in, usually, he came in with his commanders and his great generals and his warriors and his regal people and the, and the, and the entourage that followed would have warranted that of great display of royalty, power, and prestige. Instead, he has these outside of the city, what we would call today, these country guys. Now, don't get mad if you're from the country. Don't get mad if you're not from the city. <clears throat> it is just for comparison that, that, that those that were in the city looked at them and those Galileans, those country dudes, those hicks, those uneducated, those and you, all the other words that they give them for those that weren't a part of the happening city and what was going on and, and, and those that were educated and those that were, had the big networks. No, Jesus came in with a group of Galileans and the people from the cities were gathering around. Now understand, the crowd was in for the feast that was happening around that time. Passover, the big, uh, was soon to happen. <clears throat> and so the city would swell into some of its largest, its, its, its largest crowds. And remember also what had just happened before that, that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. 
and that people now were still remembering that. And many were starting to follow him because of his display of power, although they still didn't completely understand who Jesus was and is. And so we have here this big celebration, but Jesus doesn't come in the way that the world would have those to be celebrated as king to come in. And he's telling us something by that. My kingdom is different. My values are different. Whereas for us, we celebrate kings who can, <clears throat> who can demonstrate rising above and have no mix with the peasants and have nothing to do with others. This king is coming in differently, having touched those that others would not touch, having cleansed leopards, having opened the eyes of the blind, having healed those who were sick, and actually haven't even raised the dead. This king still comes in humbly. And so we see this celebration. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear the dichotomy, to hear, hear, the, hear the differences here. <clears throat> One of the books that I like and I've read is called Jesus the King by um, Dr. Timothy Keller. And, and one of the um, quotes that he makes, he actually makes this quote about um, Jonathan Edwards uh, speaking, but he makes this quote about the two different ways in which Jesus combines character traits of, of, of authoritative and of godly kingdom. Hear this out. It says, Edwards goes on to list in detail all the ways that Jesus combines character traits that we would consider mutually exclusive. In Jesus, we find infinite majesty, yet complete humility, perfect justice, yet boundless grace, absolute sovereignty, yet utter submission, all sufficiency in himself, yet entire trust and dependence on God. And so these things were not combined in traditional kingdoms or in earthly or worldly kingdoms, but in God's kingdom, they came together and were found to rest in Jesus himself. And so the celebration of the king is quite different, is totally different than what normally would happen. And so we went from the celebration of the king. And we see here that how they said the crowds went before him and they began to shout. And as they begin to shout, I want to move from the celebration of the king into this incomplete or man-made king. They were celebrating, but they were, they were not fully celebrating Christ in the way that he was to be. They didn't fully understand. They, many of them would after his death and subsequent resurrection, but at this point, many of them had an incomplete view and it was insufficient for them because remember, by the end of this week, many of those same people that were screaming and shouting Hosanna to the son of David, some in those same crowds were shouting crucify him. And how do you go from proclaiming him king to later preferring two murderers and robbers and thieves, I mean, I mean preferring a robber and a murderer and a thief in Barabbas, 
to the one who you were crowning as king. How do you go from one to the other? I tell you why. Is when you have an incomplete, insufficient, or different Jesus, and he disappoints you, or he confuses you, based on your own standard, based on what you've made up about him, based on your expectations, and when those expectations don't come about, or when you don't have a good understanding of who he is, you leave, you turn, you get angry, you walk away, you back away in confusion, you argue with God, you say God didn't deliver for you, you come across and saying, I'm done with Christ and all this Christianity stuff because it didn't work. And I would say you are into that second point that we have here today, that incomplete or man-made king. Look with me at this verse and we'll see how that happens. <clears throat> verse 9, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now understand, Jesus was fulfilling already as he rode in Zechariah 9, 9, whenever, I mean, whenever it prophesied about, about him coming in on a colt, coming in you know, on a donkey, he was fulfilling prophecy and he did that on purpose. He knew what he was doing. But also, as they begin to cry Hosanna, that word originally um, meant, you know, God save, God help us, God save. It had become, by time first century had rolled around, it had become to be known more as a cry of just worship and praise to God. And so they had the right language. They cried out Hosanna to the son of David. That term is a very messianic term because they knew that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David, which Jesus did. <clears throat> and yet for them, their thought of Messiah was going to, one, free them from Roman oppression. And it was going to set up a kingdom. But in, many, in, in the minds of many of the people, that kingdom was going to be right then and there. And it was going to be a visible one in which they could take part and see. And they didn't understand that that kingdom would start with the death of its leader of its savior of its messiah and that by that that kingdom would rise up within their hearts and it had already been i mean it was it was now dawning and it would be fulfilled at a time in the future it would it would it would have this futuristic fulfillment but they didn't understand that and so not only did they have an incomplete view they had an incomplete thought of who jesus was but they had the language right they were saying what was right but I don't believe they fully understand. Turn with me to John chapter 12. And John actually says some things about this when he looks at verse 14. It says, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And that's, of course, the Zechariah 9, 9 reference. And then verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, all of what was happening and the prophecy being fulfilled. But when Jesus was glorified, his death and subsequent resurrection, then they remembered that these things 
had been written about him and had been done to him. And when he says to him, meaning his, I mean that, that, that indeed he would be worshipped and that he would be praised, but then of course he would be turned on, he would be crucified and he would be resurrected. They did not fully understand all of what was happening around them. <clears throat> and in this particular case, they didn't fully understand what they were saying. They spoke accurately, but they didn't fully understand what they were saying. And how they believed this was happened, would happen, would be different than how God was going to have it happen. How, how do I know that? Because they turned on him. Every last one of them ran and they scattered. If they understood it the way God had intended, when Jesus was being sacrificed on the cross, they would not have run. They would have seen it as necessary. But the problem with everyone was when Jesus was being sacrificed, when he was being crucified, and subsequently when his life was over, when he died on that cross, everyone thought, wait, what? What just happened? This wasn't supposed to be how it was supposed to end. He's a king. He is supposed to throw down our oppressors. He is supposed to rule. And everyone was thrown for a loop. They were thrown a curveball. They didn't know what to do with that. And you see it even in Luke, in, as the men were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus walks with them, and they have no idea that it's him, and, they, and one of them says, we had hoped that he would. And you hear it. The hopes that they had were dashed when Jesus were, was crucified. They didn't expect that. And so here they had right words, lack of understanding of what that fully meant and what had to happen. But here's what else happened. It says, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And although that was true, it was incomplete. And see, that's just like many today. They have an incomplete view of Jesus. Some of you, you see him as only a good teacher. And he says things that will enhance your life and will make it better. Yes, he will do that, but that's incomplete. For some people, you just say, he's a healer. You know, ask him what you want and he'll heal you and he'll deliver you. Yes, he will. But that's incomplete. If that's all you have about Jesus. For some of you, he said, he was this man who lived this life that we all should follow. He was perfect and, and he lived. And I would say, yes, he did leave an example for us to follow, although we can't follow it without him having done what he did, and that was die so our sins could be forgiven. And although that's true, it's incomplete. See, the point is, Hosanna to the son of David, the Messiah, was true. But here's what was complete, that Jesus was not only from Galilee, we know that he fulfilled prophecy by being born in Bethlehem. And he wasn't just born as a prophet. It says today to you was born a savior. He is more than a prophet. He's more than a good teacher. He's more than someone that has good words. He's more than a Facebook quote. He's more than an Instagram quote. He is more than your tweet about who he is. He is the son of God 
who came to die for men and women that they would have their sins forgiven and by having their sins forgiven, they could live in communion with God. That's who he is and he reigns in his kingdom forever and ever. He is king, he is authoritarian and yet he's humble and yet he is one that although high, God stooped low by, by, by sending his son, God became flesh, Emmanuel, God among us, God with us. And that's who Jesus is. They didn't see that yet. They didn't fully understand that yet. And so because of that, they could turn by the end of the week. You know, you and I are going through a crisis right now. And for some people, they are on the brink of turning away from the Jesus that they have erected. What kind of Jesus are you worshiping today? Is he the genie one? that all he is there for is to grant your wishes, to make your life better and happy and full to the max so you can enjoy it. And that's all you have. And then when things start going bad, you kind of think God is ticked or he doesn't like me or he doesn't love me. We saw last week that when Jesus was in their boat and they came through that storm and they thought that they were gonna perish, when we saw that, Jesus asked him, why were they afraid? Do you still not have faith? That question, as we said last week, <clears throat> was because after all they had been through and all they had seen of who he is, they should have known that he cares, that he loves them, that he would not let them perish as he is among them. And for many right now, for us, for many of us today, our Jesus that we've erected is not sufficient to hold us at this time. And we're about to break. And I will say to some of you today, can you exchange the man-made incomplete Jesus for the Jesus of the scriptures? Can I ask you to get rid of the one that is a mixture of what you've heard all the different people say? And can you get into the word for yourself? and to find out who Jesus really is. See, Matthew was letting us know step by step how Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Let's look at how some on the end here <clears throat> actually had this happen. As we go now into verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 15, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done. Listen to how Matthew describes that. And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. How you would think that would read is they started rejoicing as well. But we get the polar opposite. <clears throat> it actually says they became or they were indignant. They were angry. Why? because they had no desire to crown that man who was standing in front of them as king over them. He did not fit what they had wanted. As a matter of fact, they wanted to still be in control and thus Jesus was messing up their thing. As you read later, he says, look, the whole world is going after him. And my response would be, don't you want that? Don't you want the whole world to go after him? No. 
They wanted to keep people under their control. They wanted people to look at and follow them. They didn't want their gig, their thing messed up. And so for you and I today, you either have an incomplete one, a man-made one, or you don't want them at all. <clears throat> you just want to get through this COVID-19 so I can get back to the way I was living my life on my own without God, and I don't want to recognize him. I don't have to say anything, and I would say that can't happen because normal without Jesus is a road leading to destruction. Normal without recognizing God as king, I mean, and, and, and uh, Jesus as king is setting yourself on a crash course with destruction and disaster. It will not end well. One of the things that we're seeing right now is I'm hearing over and over and over people saying, <clears throat> this is causing me to think about what really matters, those things that are important. And for many of them, they are realizing that all those things that they have set up and we would call them idols, those things that they have placed as ultimate, as top priority in their lives cannot hold them because they're all being toppled. And the only thing that stands for us today, really the only thing that is standing, even amongst your family, the only thing that's standing is God and the relationship that you can have with him. And so we move from this incomplete, man-made, or rejected even Jesus to the king of the scriptures. Jesus said to him, to them, <clears throat> and Jesus said, as they said to him, and they said to him, do you hear what they are, these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. <laughs> I love that. Like, of course I heard. Now, they weren't asking him are you getting sound in your ears and your eardrums are, I mean, are, are understanding the words? No, he is saying, do you, are you going to let them keep saying what they're saying? You're not responding, telling them to stop. You're accepting this praise. What's wrong with you? And Jesus says to them, in essence, nothing is wrong with me. I hear what they're saying. I know what they're saying. They're supposed to be saying it. The problem is, why aren't you identifying me like that? And he says to them, <clears throat> and they saw themselves as intelligent, and they really it was known that the Pharisees and other people saw them as ignorant, saw the crowd and saw the people as ignorant. And he says, have you never read, which was an indictment on them, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. What he is saying is, I know, too, you guys call them uneducated and ignorant, but they got it right. They have it right. <clears throat> I remember, you know, how God uses infants and babies and children to sometimes get us correct. I remember years ago when our family was going through a crisis and, I mean, health crisis, and I was, and I had to step out of work. And I remember it was one of those times when we really struggled and we were, we were, we were budgeting everything as we had, and we were making it work, but it was one of those hard times that families go through financially and because of some health um, challenges I had. And I remember being at the pump. It's one of those vulnerable moments. I remember being at the gas pump, and at that time, <clears throat> I remember getting gas on my credit card because that's where we were at that point. And thank God that he brought us through that 
and allowed us to strengthen ourselves in a number of ways. Um, but, but, but there are some today that may even understand as I was getting gas at the pump and I was frustrated with God because of where we were. And I found myself, I was outside the car, had my kids in the car, and I'm arguing. I'm just arguing, you know, with the Lord. And I can't believe I'm here. And, and as if the believer can't go through hard times. But that's where I was at that time. And God was helping me to understand better, which I had after that. And I'm arguing and arguing and arguing. And, and, and one of my kids kept knocking on the window on the inside. And we had a minivan at that time. And I turned and I didn't want to scream at them because I was upset, you know, and I'm not in a good mood. And I turn and I go, what, what, what? And then I opened the door so I could hear them. And, and one of them actually says, he says, Daddy, everything's going to be okay. And it hit me. And first, it just kind of made me feel guilty because I was like, okay, wow, like this boy is just like settling me. I'm like, I don't know where he's getting it from, but it just, it got my attention. And so I responded with a little bit of arrogance in my mind. And I said, how do you know? That's what I said to him. I said, how do you know? And he looked at me and he said, because God told me. And it floored me. Boy, I just kind of, it just kind of took my breath. I was like, okay, wow, like, was the Lord speaking to him in the car? Because he ain't saying anything. Well, maybe the Lord was trying to say something to me, but I was too busy fussing at him to hear. And the issue was he was trying to settle my heart. And he was trying to get me back on track to understand the Jesus of the scriptures. He was trying to get me back to where I understood that I needed to, <clears throat> to worship God the way that he has said, that, 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 that I needed to not let myself get, un to get uh, unraveled. I didn't need to be like those that didn't want to acknowledge and come to Christ, but instead wanted to fuss with him and argue with him. And I learned that day, boy, he was right. God was taking care of us, and he did, and he walked us through it. And out of the mouth of a child, I was corrected and I was settled. And Jesus is telling these guys here, look, they got part of this right. They are worshiping me rightly. They are doing what they need to do because I am king. I am the prophesied one. The scriptures spoke of me. I am the one that fulfills all that was said. And as you read through the scriptures and you see um, um, the kind of king that he would be, that he would be one that would execute both judgment, justice, but also mercy and grace, and that he would come and he would, he would have to deal with sin and have to judge sin, but he would judge it by giving himself. That's what the scripture says, and that he was one, he was a man of sorrows, and he was one who was acquainted with grief. He was the one who bore our sins. He was the one who, um, who, who took the stripes, not so that we can get some sort of new car or something, so that, so, or, or, or so that we could just be physically healed. He was talking about in there that we would be healed from our sin sickness. We're fighting this virus that we can't see. And I think what it says to us, it is so humbling that here we are as these beings that we tout ourselves as so great. And for us here in America, we have to be careful. We, 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 we tout ourselves as so great. We call ourselves this superpower. And yet we are being brought low 
by an enemy that we cannot see. That we have to get under a microscope and it is wreaking seemingly havoc among us. And it's causing us to realize the true nature of our humanity and how desperate we need God, how desperately we need God, and how we need to bow, and how we need to understand that we are frail beings, and that one day we'll, we will all return to dust, because we were made from that dust, and it causes us, instead of putting our chest out and rejecting Jesus as these guys did, is that we receive the Jesus of the Scriptures, the one who is both God and man, the one who stands on powerful, who is to be worshipped on this Palm Sunday, that, that, that when you cry out Hosanna in this shout of praise to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, it's accurate, it's correct, it's what you should do. But do it with understanding, not that he, that you're saying this so you can get out of him what you want, but that you're saying this, that you could recognize him for who he is. And so you could say like others, oh, come magnify the Lord with me. When we say we make him great, it's not that our praise kind of increases God's worth. No, we understand and embrace his greatness. And we tell others, look, so that they can see how great he is as well. Are you focusing just on the greatness of this crisis? And it is great. We're not sugarcoating or downplaying it at all. Are you just focusing on that? Or are you focusing on the greatness of your God through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross? And that this day he entered Jerusalem knowing what it would end with, knowing what it meant, knowing where he was going. He said that scriptures tell us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and its shame so that you and I would one day be able to sit before him and to sit in front of your screens and to hear a word and rejoice at that word because of what Jesus had done. Hosanna to the son of David. This Palm Sunday, we worship greatly, we worship rightly, we worship correctly. Jesus, as the Son of God, who came to die and be resurrected so that we would be able to be in communion and fellowship with God. Is that the king that you're worshiping? Here I have some questions for you before we end today. Number one. How are you worshiping Jesus as king today? Are you worshiping him? Have you rejected him like the Pharisees because they were indignant by the wonderful things that Jesus was doing? They didn't want anything to do with that. They wanted to continue to live life their way. Or are you worshiping Jesus as his king that you made up? You kind of have somewhat of a picture of him, but not a complete one. Or are you worshiping the Jesus of the scriptures that regardless of what happens in your life, you understand that he walked this road that he had to so that we could be in communion with him and that we may walk a road of suffering as well, still clinging and holding on to them and not turning on him when things turn or that I'm disappointed in who he is. 
How are you worshiping Jesus as king today? Number two, how have you made a king that is a mixture of your desires and what God has given? How have you made a king that is a mixture of your desires and what God has given? And we kind of have this syncretistic, as it says, we take some of everything. Let me take a little bit of what the world says, a little bit of this. Religion over here says, a little bit of that one. And some of what the Bible says, and I make this hodgepodge Jesus that isn't the Christ of the scriptures at all. And then the last question, how does your life need to line up with worshiping Jesus as king according to the scriptures? Remember, when we went through the Beatitudes, that Jesus was this, the value there in chapter 5 that we read some time ago are, the, are some of the values of the kingdom, and they seem like upside down. Blessed as those who mourn. And we talk about mourning over our sin. And, 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 and we looked at um, um, when you are persecuted, how you bless those who persecute you. And, and, and we go, that is crazy. That is not a value. No, that's a value of the kingdom. That's a value of the kingdom. And so the question today is, how does your life need to line up with the Jesus of the scriptures? And you say, well, I don't know the Jesus of the scripture. This is a great time to begin to know the Jesus of the scriptures and to get to know who Jesus is. For the gospels are a wonderful place to start. We've got time. We're at home. And I would say this is a wonderful time to lean in, dig in, get in into the word of God. And if you don't know, call a friend that you know has been someone that has 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 really lived out or that they have been into God's word or that friend that you always um, <clears throat> tried to ignore because they just talked about God's word sometime and I mean all the time and got on your nerve. That's the person to call right now because they may have some good insight into how to start into the word of God. I would even say for you starting the Gospels, some people say, John, yes, that's good. And you can start there and it just gives you this 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 picture of Christ that John is wanting to you to see and have. And we know at the end of 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 John's gospel, he says that these things were written um, that you may believe um, that Jesus is the coming and 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 that by believing you'd have eternal life. And so John is a great place to start if you haven't started reading yet. But today, I want you just to sit and ask yourself, where am I concerning this Jesus on this Palm Sunday? As you're at home <clears throat> and not distracted by the palms that are giving out and that will be given out by some of them. And did I get my palm today or 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 what am I going to wear next week for Easter? Hey, you're going to probably wear exactly what you wore this week, whatever you got up in and are sitting in front of the screen. in, Because it's not about that. It's about what will you do with this Jesus who is being presented, who is coming in? Are you going to worship him or are you going to reject him or are you going to praise him? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that today we get to worship Jesus as king as according to the scriptures. Father, I thank you that today, Lord, that we can know and we can understand. You know, back then, John says that the disciples did not fully understand all of what was happening about how Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. But Lord, that they understood after he was glorified. And Lord, like them, we today can understand because it is after Jesus has been glorified, he has 
he has been crucified. He died, Lord, and he was buried and he is risen. And because of that, we can understand. Father, I pray that we understand, that you give us insight and wisdom and knowledge as to who Jesus is, that we would accept and embrace him, the, the, the him that you have placed before us, and that by doing that, we would have eternal life. Father, we ask you that you would strengthen us during this crisis. We would hold on to you, Lord, that we would not turn, oh God, because you are not doing what we thought you should do or what we thought a Messiah, what a deliverer should do. But Lord, we are clinging and hanging on to your word and what you say about who you are. Strengthen us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Today, some of you out there may be... <clears throat> may have heard this and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. You have never recognized your sin and that's the sin you were born in. Not because you did three bad things this week and five last week. You were born in sin. All of us were. And because of that, we needed a Savior. Because we were headed for a lost eternity. We were headed for an eternity without Jesus. Yes, we were headed for hell. And Jesus, in his love, Scriptures tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that his dying for us caused us to be able to be forgiven and thus to be able to be drawn close to God. And this wasn't just fire insurance. This was so that we can have a relationship with him that starts now and goes on into eternity. And if you have not recognized that Jesus is your only way um, to get close to God, that you believe in and embrace and accept his finished work on the cross and that he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins and that by asking for forgiveness based on what he has done, you can come into relationship with God. If you have not done that, you can do that right where you are. You can ask God to forgive you of your sins. He's waiting for you to do that. You can ask him to, to allow you to be close to him and to be free, and he will. Romans 10.9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth and that we believe in our hearts, we shall be saved. And that when you do that, you enter into the family of God. Can I ask you, if you did that today, can you write us and you'll see our... our, our, our um, email address at the bottom. Can you, can you write us and let us know? We would love to be able to connect with you back by phone and to be able to encourage you. Um, but also, would you let someone else you know that, that you believe is a Christ follower, that you know is following the Lord? Let them know. And I know we can't get together right now in person, but we can pray for you. And we can continue to, to, to encourage you um, with things that we do during the week, this this. This morning, we just had a great, I'm sorry, not this morning, we, we, we had a, a great time this week, excuse me, in a prayer meeting um, virtually and just ways that we want to encourage those within our body and within the fellowship. But let me ask you this as well. Can I ask you just to reach out to other people you know? Reach out to other people and encourage them. If you are a Christ follower, who are you going to encourage this week? Who are you going to pray for? Who are you going to connect with? Who are you going to... FaceTime with or maybe 
a Zoom with or, or some other way, Skype, or it doesn't matter. Who are you going to connect with some way that you can encourage them and not just be inundated by COVID-19 news, which right now is just a lot of, 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 of the um, negative side of our crisis and the, and the hard things in our crisis, and many of which we, we need to hear that this thing is for real. But encourage someone this week. Pray for someone this week. Rejoice with someone this week. And so once again, thank you guys for tuning in. We're grateful for it. Have a blessed week. This week as we lead up into Easter, allow the Lord to minister to you in what he has done over 2,000 years ago, leading up to that which allows all of us to be sitting here today who know Christ. Have a great week. God bless you.